so we're, what are we doing, Matt? Um, we're basically, well, well, well you're, you're sat at home in Edinburgh and I'm sat at home in Derby. Um, and we're coming up with ideas and about to record, or I believe we're recording now, um, a Tour de France Unplugged series outline and ideas. Um, because this will be um, quite an exciting podcast series that we're doing throughout the tour. So um, we think we've got a rough idea, don't we, Niall? Yeah, what's it called? A Tour de France Unplugged? Tour de France Unplugged. Um, Do you series. want to hear the theme music? Have you got a, have you, have you got a jingle? Well, it's, it's, it's a bed. Do you want to hear? Do you want to hear the yes, bed? Yes, please. Because this is—I've not heard this before. This is this is live. It's going to be your intro bed. I want to hear your reaction as we go. So All right. <laughs> you into that? I'm into that. Yeah. Does it have that kind of Channel Four Tour de France '90s vibe, '80s '90s vibe? This is amazing. <laughs> Why don't you just uh, link us there? Link us into the first one there. Well, welcome everybody. It's time for the Tour de France Unplugged. <laughs> okay, yeah, I, that'll give you a, like a general idea of how it's going to. No, happen. I tell you, it's powerful. I was a bit swept up in the music. It's properly eighties, and that does. I had a proper little bit of a um, nostalgic um, tinge or twinge. Then, can you have a nostalgic twinge? It did take me back to watching the Channel Four Tour de France coverage back in yeah. the mid eighties. Yeah. Um, yeah, and also I just wanted to get up and dance a bit like a robot as well, um, as well as run on the spot, um, a bit like the bloke out of Talking Heads, a bit like David Byrne. Do you know what I mean? That was the kind of vibe it got, but also quite yeah. cycling-y as well. But I'll be honest with you, mate, not overly French, but quite Euro, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, um, I mean, for that I searched Arpeggiator. I think if if all if all this podcast malarkey um, eventually falls away and dissipates into the ether, you could quite easily be a top end music producer, mate. I didn't make the music. I was just yeah, but you produced it. it. Wow. You you produced it and you've offered it up and you've um, curated you've, it. Yeah, and and you've um, elicited quite an emotional response from me. Uh, so well done. Okay. Uh, so this is it. This is episode one, isn't it? Yeah, um, I, I'm going to fade into the background mainly. I'm just here okay. to help you if you need me. All right, okay. But, so um, um, what we'll be doing, I think the framework of this, we'll be doing it, this This has been recorded before the Tour de France, so I'll be looking ahead to the race. Uh, we'll then do one right at the very end of the race because I'm going to be there on the ground with Eurosport and GCN. And then we'll do one on the rest days as well. So I think we're planning five, um, five podcasts throughout the race. And it'll be... Very similar, I think, although of course be unique because it is the Tour de France and a different race than the Giro. But in terms of the way I'll be gathering uh, the poddy bits, either the bits that you put into your ears, it'll be very similar indeed. So I'll be just recording little nuggets as I go through the race. Um, I'm quite excited, actually. Do you want to hear the music for to link the nuggets together? Have you got? If you, you're going to give me the nugget links now, I'm going to give you a nugget link together. Okay, <laughs> brilliant. Let's do it. Suitable? I love it. Yeah, just snippets of that, you know, to set the tone. I like that. Uh, Immediately, um, I was looking at myself from above in maybe a cloud or something, and I could see myself um, riding an old-fashioned bicycle from the 1940s uh, through a vineyard with a stripy top on and some onions around my neck and a baguette under my arm. And, and a transistor radio to my ear, listening to uh, the radio of the Tour de France. Amazing. That's what I, that's, so basically it was so French. Uh, there's a tear in my eye, mate. 
Bonjour, hello, and welcome to this very special series of Sigma Sports Presents Le Tour de France Unplugged with me, Matt Stevens. Uh, and this is episode number one, which is essentially a preview of what is to come. So, uh, coming up, I'll be looking at what makes the tour so special and why we all love it and why quite simply it's the biggest race in the world and we all love it for different reasons. Um, I'll also be answering some of the questions that you, the listeners, have sent in uh, to podcast at sigmasports.com and over to me on social media as well. So thanks all of you who got in touch there. Um, I'll also be choosing my fantasy Tour de France team as well and you do not want to miss that at all. Uh, And we're also setting up a league. So please do get involved. I'd love to see what permutations of squads you guys go for. So to get involved there, visit sigmasports.com forward slash podcast for entry details. Okay. Um, Right. So what can you expect from the Tour de France unplugged? Well, I guess it's not going to be a million miles or a thousand miles away or even 150 miles away. No, maybe I reckon about 800 miles away in terms of distance although they do border each other. Um, I'm rambling. So it's not a million miles away from my recent uh, Giro d'Italia Unplugged series. And I'll be bringing you behind the scenes with me uh, while I'm on the tour. So um, just my thoughts, my ramblings, and my observations from my time on the ground. Um, Not just racing stuff, just um, how I'm feeling really. And generally speaking, on a grand tour, as you might know from listening to the Giro podcast, strange things happen. It just unfurls in front of you. So I'll be trying to capture as much of the essence of my experience as I can. But first up, let's have a quick look at what's going on at Sigma Sports. Right, so if you're near the Oakham store, there's a Sigma Sports by Universal Colors Social Ride heading out on Saturday, the 9th of July this year. So head to sigmasports.com slash rides to register for that ride. And also for more information on any of the other rides heading out from Sigma Sports at various locations. And finally, before we get into the meat and bones of this podcast, we've recently released a brand new cafe ride, which we're all very proud of here at Sigma with my friend and broadcaster, Rebecca Charlton. So check that video out at sigmasports.com slash cafe ride or in the Sigma Sports YouTube channel. So let's start off with why the Tour de France is so special. Um, I guess it's... The Tour de France is the biggest race in the world. It's the biggest sporting event in the world as well. I think it actually is bigger than the Olympic Games in in the uh, in relation to its imprint. Um, and it's something I think even if you aren't a uh, died in the wall road cyclist, everybody knows about it. I think somehow over the last hundred years or so of when the, since the Tour de France came came into being, it has, has managed to infuse itself into the consciousness of everybody or pretty much everybody in the world, it is a nothing short of a sporting phenomenon. So it transcends cycling almost the Tour de France. Um, and it's firmly embedded, of course, and woven in to the culture in France. So my first awareness, I guess, of the Tour was because my dad was a cyclist. And, and obviously media was a little bit different back in the late 1970s and then early 80s. But I remember um, being um, my mum and dad in the back end of the 70s, going to the Tour de France. I think it was the first time that they had the finish on the Champs-Élysées. Now, I think a, a lot of you might be thinking, well, the, has the, the Tour's always finished on the Champs-Élysées. And in fact, it hasn't. I think the first time, and I'm not reading this, this isn't scripted. 
I think the first time was about 75 or 76. And my mum and dad went out and they left us and me and my sister at home with my nan. And they came back and I said, we just, I said, where have you been? And they explained about this thing called the Tour de France. And as a five-year-old, I didn't really get it, but I, I knew from the behavior and the, the joy in the, on my mum and dad's face that they'd been to see something very, very special. And obviously my dad had wanted to go for a long time. So that was my first awareness of it, that my mum and dad had been to this mythical event over in France. I didn't really even know what France was then. And then through the 80s, um, there's magazines always around the house. My dad would always talk about cycling. And then as I got to age 10, 12, 13, I became acutely aware of what the Tour de France was and remember watching it on television and becoming aware of the characters, the riders, the races that um, that uh, that exemplified everything um, great and um, about the Tour de France, especially riders like uh, Bernard Hinault, Laurent Fignon, uh, Greg LeMond, um, um, Robert Miller, Sean Kelly, Stephen Roach. These were the people that I looked up to when I was growing up. And then finally, in 1986, as many of you who are regular listeners to the podcast um, will know, um, I went to the Tour de France with my dad. Um, I was 16, uh, and it was the it was the year when Greg LeMond uh, eventually won, and it was the year of his great battle with Bernard Hino, who had won the previous year. And Greg LeMond had already, um, he'd been the young pretender for a while and clearly Bernard Hino had felt a little bit threatened. So he had this wonderful dynamic. Well, wonderful if you're a spectator or, or a writer looking in, but obviously it was quite problematic within the Lavie Claire team at the time. But I sat on outdoors with my dad with my little skinny legs and my knees were wider than my calves and my thighs. And I had a pair of shorts that I'd had my eye on for a long time that we bought the look shorts made by Santini. Um, and my mum had taken them in with some, she'd had to sew them because my legs were so skinny. Um, but I'd um, ridden up outdoors with my dad, camped at the side of the road like everybody else and watched the Tour de France roll by. And I was absolutely entranced by the race. And, and we'd been there for about a week anyway, camping um, near the Col de Telegraph, um, that big long climb that leads you into the Col de Glibier. So I'd ridden up the Telegraph, ridden up the Col de Glibier, camped with my dad um and we bathed in a mount in the mountain stream so the um uh, it was a glacial water that we used to wash in every morning and go on our bikes and ride up these iconic climbs and watch the tour and uh, and that essentially was one of the most important fundamental reasons why i'm probably sitting here talking into this microphone in my spare room in Derby right now because the Tour de France, uh, although I've never ridden it, and that's, if I have any regrets, I guess it's the fact that I didn't ride the Tour, but hey, I've been to see it, I've worked on it, I will be working on it um, in the coming weeks, which is an absolute privilege. But the Tour is very special, um, and I think everybody's got their own view of why the Tour is special. I think it resonates with different people in different different ways, and for me, it was that experience seeing Greg LeMond and Hino, looking them in the eyes and taking a photograph, um, which I still have somewhere. I will try and dig it out. I think it might be at my dad's still. Um, to, and back then, of course, we had little throwaway cameras with only 12 or 24 exposures. And I managed to capture a brilliant shot of LeMond in the yellow jersey, Bernard Hino in that beautiful combine jersey that sadly is no more. Um, and, and then latterly, Went to work on the Tour de France and, and met Greg LeMond and have uh, had the privilege to speak to him on several occasions about that very day. So um, the Tour is important and it's like nothing on earth. Um, very different to the Giro d'Italia and, of course, the Vuelta. Um, I don't like to compare the Grand Tours because they all have um, their own unique identity and integrity. 
The Vuelta is that I think the light, the one of the hardest races, of course, but it's lighter, easier access. I, th- I think far more relaxed. And the Giro occupies somewhere in between. It's the race for the purest, for the romantics. But the biggest race of all, as everybody knows, um, is the Tour de France. It has the most prestige, and it is the race, as I said before, that most people in the world know about. And I think, and that's why it's so special. Right, let's have a look at a couple of questions which you guys have kindly sent in. We've got a couple of questions that have come in via the Sigma Sports podcast um, element of the internet. He means our email address, which is podcast at sigmasports.com. And also, quite a few of you, and thanks again, have got in contact via my um, Instagram. So um, first up is a question from Lee dot burgess thank you very much for getting in contact lee um it's a simple question but it's a nice one um what's your favorite comedic tdf moment matt um tdf moment comic i think although it involved a crash it i think it might be when chris Froome ran up uh, mont ventoux um because of its utter absurdity obviously we had a couple of riders come down in a crash including Chris Froome himself and Richie Poor, and that's the last thing that anybody wants but I just think it was ultimately comedy wasn't it um Chris Froome running up up the slope um in his cleats um panicking almost I think that for me um and maybe for a lot of people was the most ridiculous comedic moment in the in Tour de France history and the other comedic moment which which I have to mention as well because now we're talking about it, things like that fall into your mind, I think would be, it was a couple of years ago. And again, it's a little bit dark, but it was when the the police stopped the race. I think there was a demonstration and then they pepper sprayed the um, the protesters at the side of the road. I think it was some farmers, um, but then the pepper spray blew into the, blew into the, the peloton. Uh, again, comedic, but also not funny. So a dark, there's a dark side to it, but it was, it was very, very strange. So yeah, the pepper spray um, and then the uh, Chris Room running. And actually I was thinking of a third one. It might be at the tour. I can't remember. It was Bernard Hino punching a farmer as well. Um, might not have even been the tour of France. So thank you, Lee. Let's have an- another question. Um, who do you think? Okay. It's a, it's a pretty straightforward one, but I guess predictions are what we're all about, really. Who do you think the winner will be? Okay. Maybe this is quite an easy one. It is, but thanks indeed, Robbie Fedder. All one word for getting in contact. Right. I'm going to stick my neck out. <laughs> Taddy Pogacar. It's a really easy one, isn't it? But um, at the moment, um, I can't see past him. And he's, he's, he's had some big wins already this year. Um, of course, he won Strada Bianca. He won Tirreno Adriatico. But what he hasn't done, and what he's done um, over the last couple of years is not done or not used the traditional route to the Tour de France. Most riders either ride the Tour de Suisse or the Dauphiné. And he's picked and ridden over the last couple of years the Tour of Slovenia, his, his home tour, which is won and taken a couple of stages. And, and then with the greatest re- of respect to the Tour of Slovenia, um, it gives us an indication that he's clearly riding well, but the field there is nothing like what we have in the Tour de Suisse or in the Dauphiné. And I think that's for a reason. I don't think uh, we can actually see directly how he compares to the riders that are going to matter in the in the Grand Boucle itself. But given how confident he is, given what he's been saying openly, he's, he's, a, year, he's a year older, a year more mature. Generally speaking, he'll just be physically a year stronger, a year wiser. He's putting out bigger num- the biggest numbers that he's, uh, he's ever done, uh, and he's a little bit lighter. Um, 
he is a, just a quite remarkable force of nature. And I think the only way he's going to be beaten is if teams almost work together or we have a team like Jumbo Visma in particular that have two leaders, Vingago and Primoz Roglic. I think rather than pound for pound riding against each other, they need to try and be smart. But the way this Tour de France is this year, 40k TT at the end. Um, that's the longest TT since 2013, in fact. And five or four or five back-to-back stages with mountaintop finishes or hilltop finishes. It's really teed up for for Tadej Pogacar. Uh, I'm sure it won't be a damp squib at all, but um, riders, I think, who want to beat Pogacar are going to have to be inventive as well as strong. But he is my is my out-and-out favourite for the race. Um, do you already learn some Danish words? That's from Fed underscore EGR. Um I know the word for chocolate, and that's chocolate. No, um, so far. Maybe I need to learn a little bit more Danish. Um, so I will uh, endeavour um, on my um, first rest day podcast to at least to at least strong a sentence together for you. So thank you very much. But at the moment, I it's just chocolate, which is chocolate. Right, I'm now going to select my fantasy team for the Tour de France. You can do so as well. Um, Niall, can you just give us the um, the, the address that folks can uh, head to, to to join our league? Yeah, I mean, it's all numbers and passwords and stuff, but I put them all on sigmasports.com slash podcast. Cool. Um, the league number is 31585, and the password is C-I-E-N-E. So, uh, But that will all be on, on the, the pod- podcast page on sigmasports.com. So go there. Thanks, Noel. Check it out from there. Brilliant stuff, mate. I can't wait to see your team, but I'm going to pick my team now. Um, And I'm um, I'm actually doing this. If you hear little clicks, etc., that's because I'm actually typing into my my, my keyboard. So basically, I have a budget. It's 120. I don't know what there are 120 of. Perhaps um, 120... I don't know, gold nuggets. I'm not too sure. Doesn't give them euros, dollars, anything. So I've got 120 of them, but I can also earn credits later on. Um, now, I'm do you know call... what the credits are for? Uh, tell me what the... it's. It's if you get a stage win, isn't it? Yeah, the credits. So you start with 400 credits, and you can make substitutions as the the tour goes on, or replacements rather. So after a stage, you could sell one of your players, get the the the. the I guess they're, they're actually called stars, what you're calling gold nuggets. Uh, you can get the stars back. So if you, ah. say if you bought, um, oh, uh, let's say, for example, you know, the most expensive rider is, is Pogacar. Yeah, of course. So if you, if you bought him for 23 stars, you can sell him in the next stage, get your 23 stars back, but that will cost you 50 credits. So time your substitutions well. Is, is the advice. So it's a rotating fantasy, isn't it? So it's quite intriguing. So there's a lot of tactics at play here, isn't there? So, right, let's choose my riders. Now, I'm, I want Matthew van der Poel in my team um, um, because he is an exceptional all-rounder and I think he will challenge for the green jersey. Therefore, consistently scoring points and he's a big animator as well and he can as we saw in the Giro he's not just going to go well on the flat stages but the semi-hilly stages and even the odd mountain stage as well so I'm going to add him it's a bit predictable but he's in Bosch Van der Poel in that's cost me 22 nuggets or points whatever you call them so I've got 98 left I'm scrolling down I'm not going to go for the obvious Van Aert I'm not even going to go for Roglic but what I am going to do because he interests me as a rider and They've come into the, the tour with two leaders. I'm going to go for Jonas Vingo. He's in the back. He's green. He's cost me 21 nuggets. Uh, I've got 77 left. So 
Um, I also want to go for a uh, British rider. And the way he's been riding, he's previous champion, of course. He's just won the Tour de Suisse. I've got a funny feeling that Geraint Thomas is going to have luck on his side. He's had such awful luck over the last few years in Grand Tours. And I just think um, he's going to get the roll. Of, he's going to get the nap uh, the Bayes is going to be running for him quite well. I'm trying to use snooker analogies. Um, he's in. He's in my team. I've got three in. That cost me 18. Um, now, I'm going to scroll down a bit further. I also fancy a little bit of Mr. Roman Bardet. I bought him. There he is. So, Van der Poel, Vingago, Thomas, Bardet. Um, how much have I got left? I've got 43 left. So, sprinters. Um, I'm gonna so for my sprinter, I'm gonna go for Caleb Ewan. I think he's just in good form at the moment as well. Um, and he is one of those sprinters that can get over some of the harder finishes. There's only six out and out sprints nailed on, and there's but there's a couple of stages that um finish just over climbs about eight of them. So I think Caleb Ewan would be my best bet, um, because he's one of the lighter sprinters. And I've now got 25 left. So, so far, Van der Poel, Bingo, Thomas, Ewan, Barde. Um, do I want another sprinter? That's the big question. I'm just going to go for another all-rounder, I think. Um, no, so a pure climber. Alexander Vlasov is a little bit too much, but I think he's going to do well. I'm going to go for Danny Martinez. Okay. So I've got an all-rounder, Van der Poel, two leaders, Vingo, I've got three. Vingo, Thomas, um, Barde, Ewan is a sprinter, Martin is a climber. I think I might get, how much have I got left? I might, I've got eight, so I've, I've really overspent already, but it's typical me. It's um, This isn't like going into Poundland, folks. You've really got to be a bit more focused. You can't just use the scattergun approach, which I have. So my thinking now is um, looking at the race. I mean, I haven't got the race in front of me, but I did a lot of deep, I did a deep dive um, last night. Um, so. I think there's going to be quite a lot of opportunities for the breakaway in this race. Now, the first three stages in Denmark are pan flat. Of course, we've got the opening 13k time trial. Two stages that should go to sprinters, but they could split in the wind. Um, and then we head over to France. We've got a stage um, across the nor across northern France that finishes in Calais. Um, and then, of course, we've got the cobbled stage, um, which could see that. I think there'll be a couple of leaders, one or two leaders that are out of the race at that point. Not out of the race in terms of necessarily out of the race, um, but out of the race because of time losses. Um, and then, then we go straight on stage seven. We're already, uh, we finish up the Planche de Benfi. Um, and then after that, all the way through to stage 12, we have uphill finishes. And then it's the second part of the race after stage 12, where I'd like to call them intermediate stages. And this is where it's all about the breakaways. And this is where um, the race, I think, will be a little bit less predictable. So this is where I can get, this is where uh, there's a lot of value that lies in picking some riders. Um, and bear in mind that some teams have come with two leaders, some teams have come with no leader for the GC and just sprinters, and other teams have just come here to take opportunities. So that's gonna be my thinking now. Um, so, and bear in mind, I've only got eight points left. So um, um, I'm gonna go for, um, I'm going to go for Fred Wright from Bahrain because we've had him on the pod and he's a good all-rounder um, and might get in some moves. So Fred's in the team. Um, now I've only got three points, three left. And I don't think there's anybody, any riders that are that cheap. <laughs> oh God. 
Um, let me just double check. So, um, is there any cheap climbers knocking around that might go well on a um, one of these intermediate stages? Let's have a little look. Let's go down. Nope. So I'm going to have to um, reconfigure my team ever so slightly. I've gone a little bit too expensive. So I'm going to take out Danny Martinez. Okay. And this is what all of you will go through this process of. Um, so, so now I've taken Danny Martinez. I'm going to keep in. Um, I'm going to go for Cofidis's Victor Lafay because he's a really good all-rounder. Won a stage of the Giro last year. Um, so he's going in. And that leaves me still with 12 points. So I can get a really good intermediate rider here. So Paris Pantre, um, Carlos Rodriguez, um, he's not been picked. So uh, as I'm looking at this at the moment, there are a few riders that haven't actually been picked. Now I might go for Piella Tour actually, because he's a good all-rounder. Yeah, Piella Tour. So I've got my team. Um, so my final team, um, Mathieu van der Poel, Jonas Vingago, Geraint Thomas, Roman Bardet, Caleb Ewan, Victor Lafay, Fred Wright, and Pierre Latour. Um, eight riders, all from different teams. So we've got Alpes and Phoenix, Jumbo Visma, Ineos, Cofidis, Lotto, DSM, Bahrain, and Total Energies represented. Pretty happy with that team. Um, and we'll just see how they go. I'm actually quite excited. And who are you going to assign as your... Um your bonus stage winner for a stage one map. Uh, oh, can you can you do that? Yeah. So if you if you pick, see the way each one has like a signed stage winner bonus written above it. If you yep. pick one of those, yeah, who you think is going to win the first stage? If they do win, you get double points. So um, I don't think anything will win. I think Ghana will win. But out of all the rods I've got, ooh, Van der Poel, thirteen k's. Thomas though, it's got to be Thomas. Thomas. So Thomas stage winner bonus because he's. Bear in mind, Thomas only finished was it three seconds behind Evnepol in the Tour de Suisse time trial this year. So Thomas is, I think he's at his best form for a couple of years. So he's my definitely my best option to go for the stage win. Cool. Do you have any budget left? I've got one. I think I can just go and get a smoothie or something with that, <laughs> <laughs> or a, or a, or a sandwich, um, or maybe one of those little salads. Okay, so let's look at my team. Let's have a little look. So, confirmation. Matthew van der Poel of Alberson Phoenix, um, Jonas Vingago of Jumbo Visma, Geraint Thomas of the Ineos Grenadiers, who's also the rider with my stage winner bonus for stage one, Roman Bardet of DSM, Caleb Ewan, sprinter from Lotto Sudal, Victor Lafay, one of those all-rounds, but it's a good climber, um, Fred Wright, Bahrain Victorious, guest of the pod um, and Pierre Latour who's a climber from Total Energy well it's more of an all-rounder so that's my team they're simply called Matt uh, because I'm inept um, in many ways at uh, writing names down uh, on the internet seemingly but I think it's a solid name so um, so I'm now going to join the Sigma Sports Tour de France Unplugged with Matt Stevens League that's a bit of a mouthful but I hope the rest of you join us it as well so um, okay I have now joined that so I'm in um, if you would like to join us, head to sigmasports.com slash podcast to find the link or search for it on the official Tour de France Fantasy Game, which is available on their website or also on their app. And our league number is 31585. And the password is CN, which is spelt C-I-E-N. 
E. Now, this should be a lot of fun. I will be updating you with how things are going, and I might even find some swag to offer as a prize to whoever wins the league at the end. And finally, there's a little bonus uh, game, um, which they, these are going to be happening, I think, throughout the Tour de France. The first bonus game, if you scroll, scroll to the bottom, um, guess the best time of the opening individual time trial. So it's a 13-kilometer prologue. It's, well, it's not a prologue, actually. It's a TT because it's under, it's over 9Ks. It's 13 kilometers in length. So let's say 60Ks an hour is 13 minutes. 14 and a half. I think Ghana's going to win it. 14. I reckon then, so 15 minutes we're probably looking at. Um, so my time is going to use a lovely little slider here. So 13, 15, 28. 15, 25, sorry. Um, there we go. 15, 25 is what I'm going for. Well, that has got me uh, very excited about the Tour de France. It really has. Hope you enjoyed it. Thanks very much indeed for listening. Make sure you do tune in over the forthcoming four episodes. There'll be an episode on the first rest day, second rest day, um, third, and then after the finish in Paris. Um, and please, if you'd like to get in touch, you can do that on social media or head directly to podcast at sigmasports.com. And you never know, I might answer one of your questions on one of these very special Tour de France editions of the pod. Right then, I'm off. I'll see you very soon. Actually, just the other side on the transfer day on Monday. <laughs>